Well, as you guys can see, this this uh, big old handsome man here on the front, uh, we have Steve Crowder here with us. Um, if you don't know Steve, um, he is he is a friend. He is a friend um, of this church. He's part of the family. Um, uh, he and his wife Missy lead a church in Boulder called Highway Community Church, and um, their kids are our kids' age, my, my kids' age, me and Kara's kids' age, and they're just wonderful, amazing, Jesus-loving, faithful, walking out the call of the Lord people. Um, Steve serves on our board of advisors, um, and he is a huge blessing and provides much wisdom and and guidance and prayer, and he hits his knees for this church, guys. So um, as we as we um, give thanks for him and call him up, um, let's really show our appreciation um, because... Uh, this is not a guest speaker. This is this is a member of our family getting up here to encourage us and point us to Jesus Christ. So everybody, let's let's welcome Steve as he comes up. Oh man, it is good to be here. Um, man, I just want to tell all you guys that serve in the in the house, uh, man, how much I appreciate you. Man, it's good to be here. I don't know if you if you don't know who I am. Mark had a great introduction. I can't top that about myself. So, uh, I'll tell you, we love your pastors, um, the elders here. I mean, you guys, we've gotten to journey with now for a, a while. I mean, I don't know how many years. You kind of lose count after a bit. But uh, man, for me to get to to come here and be with y'all tonight, it's just a, it's an honor. It's an honor. Um, so I've just been praying for us. We have. Um, We've been in a series in Philippians um, through this uh, this Christmas season on joy, and, and Paul writes about joy in every chapter, and we called it Joy of the World, and I, I found it one of the most interesting things to try to correlate Paul in a prison to Christmas, but it has been fun. But the thing about it is, no matter our circumstance or situation, uh, we can find joy. We can find joy uh, that, that is something that's much deeper. And, and, you know, one of the things we're singing there, in His presence is strength. And that's something that in this season I've learned to find as a reality that the joy of the Lord is, is, is Nehemiah 8, 10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And and so here's before, and that's not, that's, I thought I was probably going to be teaching on joy to you guys tonight, but that's not the direction uh, God has for me. But what I felt like as, as we kind of get into this, I mean, I mean, Merry Christmas, first off. I mean, it's just what a time to stop and think about some amazing things that God has done, not only in our personal life, but just in the history of mankind. And and just to be reminded of that. So, you know, I just love coming in and seeing the lights and the trees. And uh, my wife sends her hellos and her love. Uh, she is like the addict of Christmas. Like she starts in July, kind of underground, you know what I'm saying? Like I'll get home from work and I hear the music stop. You know, like you're listening to Christmas music again, aren't you? I know it. And it, But she she just comes alive in the season. Uh, and our family, you know, you mentioned our family, and I, I love the Harper's kids. I think uh, just they're, they're, they're pretty pretty darn awesome. Um, but I love the, the relationship that our families have and uh, – uh, you know, just this time of year is just something special. And uh, and so here's the thought I had coming in. Um, uh, one thing, I, I feel like the last time I spoke, you know, I just renovated this building, and I feel like God said, don't get comfortable here, if I remember right. And so I, he hadn't told me anything else yet about this next one, but I just thought it's funny. You guys are in transition again in, in a different way, in a good way. And uh, and so this is a thought, before I get into my notes, is, and this this is kind of, uh, you will have to be slightly vulnerable to do this. But I felt like you were supposed to, and I'm not saying everybody in the room, around, but if you feel compelled and you know what it is, I feel like there's some people in this room, you're supposed to out loud say what you're believing for to see God do in your life. Out loud, you're supposed to take a step of faith, and I'm going to tie it probably into this message, but you're supposed to say, this is what I, or maybe as a family, we're believing for. And so I'm just going to open it real quick. I'm going to see if, if someone's going to step out with me in this. But that's the thing God said to start with. So what are you believing for? Okay. And job, specifically, income, paying off debt. What is it? All the above. <laughs> Got it. All right. Someone else. Someone else. Come on. 
David, someone else. Direction, someone else. John? Oh, they're right here, giving. Giving. Giving for you to be able to give more or... Oh, come on, I love that. Man. That's all God needs. The kingdom of God needs a downspout. Say it again. Fearful. Fearful. Explain a little more. What do you what are you believing for with that? So you're in a situation right now, you're learning how to trust God for the what's ahead. Is that what it is? Man, I, I, I'm with you in that. Okay? A- anybody else? It challenges. It challenges something in you to it's a vulnerability. I mean, it really is. You want, you want to talk about what church is supposed to look like? When we come together and we're not just kind of putting on our, 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 our face and our front and everything, we got it all together, what are we believing for? Because I, I really believe, not I'm going to go any longer with it, but I believe everyone in this room has something you're believing for. Something that you lay down and you're thinking, how am I going to pay the bills? How are we going to get out of debt? Am I ever going to get married? What's going to happen with my kids? I mean, the list goes on. Am I going to raise? Am I going to lose my job? Is my health? Am I going to lose my life? I mean, it, the list goes on. All of us are believing for something. And here's the thing that God kind of stirred in my mind, and, and we're going to go ahead and you can be turned to Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to get there in just a second. Because I really feel like, especially just being family, uh, I, I mean, I can carry a an official title here, but it's out of relationship that I'm coming to speak to you tonight. And and here's the thought that was kind of resonating in, in inside me, and this isn't out of Luke, but, but what you're believing for, this message is going to, I believe, set a platform or remind you of something you needed to remember to believe God to get that thing broken through. Now, we understand, most of us understand the word breakthrough. You, you believe for breakthrough. You want to see breakthrough in your finances. You want to see breakthrough in your family. You want to see breakthrough. Breakthrough only happens when there's resistance. I mean, it's a good word. I mean, we want breakthrough. And breakthrough only exists when there's resistance. I mean, really, how, how much breakthrough you want? Because the bigger the breakthrough, it means the more resistance you have. And so I want to encourage you, but also challenge the thing inside you're believing for. In, in Genesis chapter 3, we, we know the story, we kind of title it, the, the, when, when, the fall of man, when Adam and Eve messed up sin in the garden. But there's one phrase that really stood out, and I just felt like I need to share it before I go into the notes. Is there's a point in time that God is walking in the garden. And, and because of sin and because of shame... Adam and Eve are, are attempting on whatever level and scale they can in the natural to cover themselves. And there's a phrase that just resonates. God says, as, as Adam, where are you? Where are you? And he says, uh, I'm here. You know, uh, we're hiding. We're, we're naked. And the phrase that God asks or says about who told you you were naked. And here's the thing, when you're believing for something right now, I just feel like someone in this season, it might be someone that voiced something, maybe someone else who's thinking it and you wish you had, or, or I don't want to really voice that. Here's the thing, when that opposition comes against you, I want you to remember that passage, because I, it's like God stopping and saying, who told you you couldn't get healed? Who told you you couldn't get that raise? Who told you you couldn't have a building and earring? Who told you it couldn't be paid for? Who t- God is wanting us to tonight to go back and find out what He says about you and I. And be stirred up. And I believe this is a message of faith to stir our hearts, to get us thinking again. Because some of you have now bought into the, the thing you want to see God do. You've bought into the lie of the voice of the deceiver that it can't happen. I'm telling you, tonight the Spirit of God wants to stir things up inside you, get you wrestling with that thing again in a good way, wrestling, believing for what God said over you versus what the devil or what someone else spoke over you. In Luke chapter 1, you find this passage, in, and probably you've already had something mentioned about it. If not, maybe next week might come up again. But, but you find this passage that is kind of the Christmas story. We, we hear this. If you've been in church any length of time, there's things that you're, you, oh yeah, that's the Christmas story. We read that as a family. We read it, read it in church. 
But I want to read some parts of it and then kind of take us somewhere with it. It says in verse 26, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man, she's engaged here, whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. You know, it's kind of funny you start really reading it. She's troubled because he stops and says, the Lord is with you. Some starts like, what? What? This is with me? I mean, just if you stop and read her responses here, and she says she's troubled. Verse 30, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be? He says, I'm a virgin. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And in the sixth month with her, who is also called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now tonight, the thing that God really stirred in my heart, where I once again, I thought I was going to talk about joy. This is the title. is According to Your Word. Right here is something that starts stirring. Gabriel brings this word to, to Mary in the midst of Elizabeth's sixth month of being pregnant. Now, it's kind of a miracle that she is even pregnant at this point in time. Mary's whole life, she's she, I guarantee you, if she's even heard a message from God, it's not on this level. You know, this is, this is news. She, she is troubled. There's some things she's wrestling with as God, through the angel Gabriel, speaks into her moment, her situation. Yet, her humble response out of verse 38 is, Behold, the maidservant, or, or, or another translation, bond slave of the Lord. It may be done to me. May it be done to me according to your word. Now there's this response that comes out for her to call herself a maid servant or, or a bond slave. A bond slave was someone that was actually free but chose to remain submitted to the former master out of love. She's saying, not my will, but yours be done. Everything I have is yours. What you want from me is what I'm wanting for myself. She gave him full permission for God to invade her world, to, to really put His will into the flesh, into the practical life-lived-out body that she had in that moment. And it's interesting to think she willingly chose to offer a temporary housing to the Savior of the world because simply it was God's will. It was God's desire that it happened this way. So her world is cruising along. She's engaged. And in that point in time, for a good Jewish couple, young couple, they, I guarantee, have done it right. They've saved themselves. They've, they've been pure. They, they have a good reputation. And all of a sudden, in the midst of her perfectly visible reputation life, God says, guess what? You favored by God. And you are going to carry the Messiah. Her response dictates that there's something challenging that. How can this be? But she comes back and says, may it be done to me according to your word. And if you had time, you could go to Psalms 119 and in that one, and it's, a, it's the longest uh, chapter of Psalms. Just, you know, it'll take you a little while to read. But there's eight different times that phrase is used according to your word. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Uh, let I, it says, uh, let I pray your merciful kindness be for my comfort according to your word. They're over and over, plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me. Revive me, God, 
according to your word. It goes on and on and on. The psalmist got it right. We've got to watch how our mouth is in sync with our heart. Our heart must be in sync then with the word of God. We have to declare something beyond the natural of what we see. What proceeds from our mouth comes from our heart and is therefore what we believe. What we're speaking over that thing we're believing for. And that's why I challenge some of you to actually vocalize it first. Because for you to be able to say, this is what I'm believing for, then starts the process of, okay, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to speak about it? What's going to be the thing inside your heart? Because it will come out through what you and I say. Proverbs 23, first part of verse 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, for as he thinks... In his heart, so is he. He becomes the very thought, the perception of himself. I don't care your upbringing, your background, whatever your situation. You start seeing yourself a certain way, you will become that. And I'm telling you, that affects everything about our life. How we are reaching into the world around us. How we perceive ourselves. You can have someone that has everything given to them growing up, but if they don't see themselves right, they will destroy their life because their identity. And they could, in the outside appearance, have everything possible except inside they feel alone and, and dying. And, and we, we can't see that. But for you, in your life right now, what is it you're perceiving about your situation? What takes up the major portion of our heart will be what constantly seeks its expression through your mouth. That could be good or bad. Because inside, how the abundance of the heart and the mouth speaks. Matthew, uh, you know, Jesus said in chapter 15, verses 18 through 20. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the hearts. And if they are negative, let me just interject that, those things can defile a man. What comes from the inside? For how the heart proceeds, and he lists, I mean, things like evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, all this stuff. These are the things which to follow man, but to eat. He's talking about, man, not what you put in, not all the, the religious stuff, but what's inside is the key. Because in Luke 6, verses 43 through 45, Jesus said, for a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. Inside, what is inside you will come out. The evil man, out of the evil treasure's heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, I already said this, the mouth speaks. The mouth speaks. You know, it's been said, if what we do keeps giving us the same results, we've got to shift something different. For us, what is that? What is the thing we've been pressing against, pressing against, we've struggled with, we've wrestled with, but, you know, we feel like we cycle in and out of, we, we, we deal with this. Maybe a, a fell relationship over and over and over. Maybe bad financial decisions over and over and over. You get past that one thing in your health and all of a sudden you're like blindsided by something else. You're like, I'm still in this fight. Right here, what, what's in the inside of you is going to come out. You know, it's... It's difficult, if not even impossible, to change your words and behavior without first changing your thought. How you see that, how you process that, what you think about that. And and the Word of God's clear. Mind renewal only comes from the Word of God. It starts transforming everything else about your life. How do you get the Word of God in? How do you start processing it differently? Paul said that in Romans, the the mind is renewed as we start receiving the Word of God. It's almost like this pliability, this, this, this conforming to the world is natural. But if we step back and we start putting the Word inside, all of a sudden we start conforming and transforming into what Jesus desires our life looks like. More like Him. More of His self becomes evident in our life. Just thinking about that. The Word is going to remind you of things that Jesus wants to see reflected of Himself in you. I mean, just think about it. The Word starts getting you a new identity. You start seeing yourself. You know what? It's not This moment is not defined by my past mistakes. I am who Jesus says I am. Who the Word says I am. The Word reminds us that old things have passed away. Behold, all things 
Say that. Say all things. See, some of us don't believe all things because we're thinking, well, those things, the, the spiritual things, that's what he's talking about. Can all things really become... Jesus said, you are a new creature, a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. I mean, you've got to wrestle with that word all. Is the Word of God talking to you and saying that can become new in your life? Or are you dismissing that and say, well, you know, that's not applying to me. I mean, just think about it. The Word of God can remind us. And we've had failures in the past not to let them discourage or, or we see other people's success that we're not embittered by that. We're, we're excited because love wants other people to succeed. And, and we rejoice in others' success. So my thought is let the transforming power of the Word collide with our worldly natural perceptions. And if we allow the Word of God to penetrate that moment, it will shift our perspective. It will change the way we see things. You know, the Jews really had an issue with Jesus being the Messiah. And the number one reason why is because He didn't fit their expectations. And we're journeying life so often and all of a sudden the Word of God says something, maybe through a, a pastor or a devotion or, or a friend on the phone saying, hey, you know, the Word of God, here, let me give you this Scripture. And all of a sudden you're like, nah. That, that, that just doesn't apply to me. It didn't. It doesn't fit my expectation of what I'm supposed to be believing for. A lot of times in the church, it's easier for us to just kind of put it on God and say, well, if He wanted that, then it would. Right? Right? I mean, just being honest. Well, that happened, so it must have been God's will. Do you know there will be people that live in eternity apart from Him and it's not His will? It's not God's will that any man should perish. The Bible says that. And so if, if if the greatest possible devastating thing for a human being to live eternally apart from God can happen, don't you think some other things can happen in our life that aren't God's will? And so what we've got to find out is what is His will for my life? What is His will for the situation? We wrestle with that in our Christian, maybe our upbringing or our lack of church experience or we wrestle with the ideas because we okay we go to jesus in the garden he's, he's praying not my will but yours be done and so we say okay let's have that kind of prayer not my will but yours be done but we miss the fact that god is telling us what his will is for the situation does that make sense now religion tells us after that prayer then that means whatever happens is then from god now think about it have you ever prayed for something, a breakthrough, and then all of a sudden, another debt hit? All of a sudden, another bill came in the mail? Yes. Every time you are praying and believing for something that God has promised you to happen, on the other side of the answer, there's going to be something else that comes against you. Now, we can stop and say, well, it must have just been God's will for that to happen. Or we can realize God sent His Word to change our perception and our perspective of that situation. Therefore, we're not dictated by the situation what we're going to believe. The Word of God starts dictating our perception of the situation. And because the Word of God starts changing the way we see it, we start speaking different about it. And things in the natural start shifting. Why? Because they're lining up with the spiritual perspective and the Word of God that's behind that. And I want us to get this. And I, I know stepping into this, it's hard to wrestle with this sometimes because we like religion. We like it polished. We like, especially when it's not our responsibility. I mean, it's just natural. I'm a pastor. I got people I pastor. But a lot of people feel like, well, we hired the pastor to do the spiritual stuff for us. The Word of God says, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. The Word of God says that God has appointed the fivefold ministry in the church to help perfect the saints, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. These are not just the ministers in the house. You all are. We all are. We are all carrying God into our world. Now, how do you perceive that assignment? See, we've got to get the Word of God, even on that. 
Some of you, you've been showing up to a job for a paycheck for decades now, and you've missed the very thing God put you there. It was not for the house or the debt or the boat. It was for the people that you could reach in that sphere of influence. And in the process of seeking His kingdom first, all the other things could have been added. But we want to build our kingdom, our house, not God's. I'm telling you, things of the Word of God start getting in us and start shifting, and all of a sudden, expectation can rise in us. We start realizing, wow, there's something bigger than me just existing. There's something more God wants to do. Why? Because I woke up today, and I'm breathing, and i got things that the Word of God says is created in me to come out and affect the people around us. And I just look at this and I start thinking, what could we do when we start getting the Word of God inside of us? And the miracles that happen all through the Word, the examples when people stepped out in faith. I mean, Jesus challenged people over and over. Here's a cripple for years, decades, has been sitting by the pool of Bethesda. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes up and says, pick up your mat and go home. Well, I think I'd have done that if I could. I mean, you know, how many thoughts can I have of what that guy just thought? Like, you are retarded. What? There is no... Don't you think I would have done that? That's not how I responded. What did the guy do? He took something the Word of God spoke to him and it allowed a shift in his perspective of the situation. And that man got up and took his mat and went home. And I just want us to understand or think about this. Our perception of it. What if? What if? The very first miracle we, we find articulated in the Gospels in John chapter 2, they're, they're at a wedding feast at Canaan. And, and I'm telling you, you know, uh, it's a lot bigger than our wedding feast of today. I mean, we're like a few hours, we're like, oh, we're done. We're talking about like seventh day, probably the seventh day. Most of all the wine has gone out, and, and Jesus and his disciples are at this wedding feast, and his mom, mom, shows up, and Mary's like, hey, 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 why don't you do something to help? He's like, hey, why are you, what are you pressuring me for? Mom, come on. I mean, really, it's kind of like the dialogue, and she doesn't even keep talking to him. Servants, whatever he tells you to do, you go do that. And the word of the Lord comes to them, go get some pots. If they had disregarded that, like, what good is that going to do? Have a bunch of six pots of water? Like, what good does that do? A miracle wouldn't have ever happened. See, sometimes the Word of God can come and it's in a practical thing. It doesn't even make sense of what God wants to accomplish because of it. But He's just looking for someone who will take the Word of God and do something with it. will allow that to change the way they see it. And so I was thinking about this idea here. In, in Luke, you find the story of this virgin girl, this, this, this girl that could have had everything else normal, like every other Jewish girl, but all of a sudden, here comes the Word of the Lord. Now, now I was thinking about, for a lot of the history of the Jewish culture, the Israelites... They've been promising and talking about and believing for a Messiah for for years and years and years. Hundreds, thousands of years. I mean, you just think about it. Go all the way back to Eve. When when they've sinned and God says, hey, I'm going to give you an heir. I'm going to give you something that's going to crush the head of the serpent. Don't you believe every child she had? She's thinking, this is the one. This is the one. And down through the generations, every girl wondering, what if it's me? Now, that's just hypothetical. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. You know, I don't know. But, but, but in this moment, I don't think she was really expecting it to be her. I mean, I'm just venturing into to think, what if, but then, oh, really? I mean, really me? And then the process of starting to, to see what starts happening, her response. I mean, Isaiah prophesied it years and years and generations before. It said, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And he shall be called, we sing it earlier, Emmanuel, God with us. So Mary had some choices to make in that moment. I want to look at just three points, three things that I think really apply to us as well. What she did in response 
all these years later when she said, may it be done to me according to your word. First thing is the very basic and most practical way to look at it. She received the word. She received the word. She received the word. Now, because we are talking about Christmas season and we are talking about gifts and and you'll probably go with family, you'll probably be in some type of situation where there is a gift handed to you. Or you take it, either way, I don't know. But that gift is in your hand. What do you do with that? Because the moment you unwrap it and you say thank you, you have just received it. You, you have, you've taken it in and said, it's mine. You, you've allowed a gift to be given. You've, you've, you've received something. And I want you to not forget, I, I probably could have said it earlier, but, but John, John, the beloved disciple, and his, his dialogue, his narrative of Jesus' life, he starts the very first thing, not with the lineage like Matthew or, or even some historical things like Luke. He goes in saying, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. The Word was God. Everything was created by Him. And it goes down later, he said, and the Word became flesh. It dwelt among us. Just think of that idea. This is John who walked with Jesus, who interacted with Jesus, who spoke and listened. And all the things that Jesus did, John was right there every time. And he understood what Jesus really was. Not just the Son of God, not just the Messiah. He said he was the Word of God that existed from eternity past and became flesh and became part of our story and our narrative. So now in Luke, chapter 1, Mary, her first, I think, really human response, besides kind of being a little, uh, an, not annoyed, but terrified or uh, something just like, oh my gosh, what? I, mean, I don't know if you ever noticed in the Gospels when an angel shows up, it's usually terrifying. So if you're ever in the middle of a dream or something, you're like, uh, was that an angel or not? The Word of God is going to... You're going to know that was an angel. I'm just going to tell you. I mean, yes, we can entertain angels underwear. That's another scripture. But when it's a visual like, bam, they're there, there's not one time through the New Testament or the Old that the first thing the angel says is, fear not. I'm okay, just just side note. But, but here's the scenario. What does she do out of her humanity? Out of her humanity, she asks this question. How will this be since? How will this be? You have just told me what God wants to do, but out of my natural way of viewing the situation, I'm going to respond with, how can this be? How, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Moses says, how can this be? I mean, I'm limited in my ability to, to speak. Gideon, I, I, how can this be? I'm limited because of my family upbringing, my background. We're, we're like the lowest of the low. I mean, how my identity, I'm struggling with that. Uh, disciples, I mean, how can this be? I mean, we only got like just a basket of fish sticks and crackers. I mean, how can this happen? Elizabeth, Sarah, how can this be? I am too old to conceive. I mean, it's all through the stories. The, the, the Gospels, through the Old Testament. It's in our life. It's in our story. God speaks something in our response out of our natural perception or perspective of the situation. How can this be? Don't you know my education level? How can this be? Don't you know how I messed that thing up before? How could this be, God, that you're telling me to do something that I have failed at before? We've got our response. We have got our way to ask that back. And so we look at Mary's narrative. We look at her story and her natural filter of the word. Yeah, there's fear. There's anxiety. There's the thoughts that crept in. How's it going to happen? I mean, just think of the things that went through her head. Any of you ever been engaged at any point in time in your life? Okay. Things are trucking along great. And then all of a sudden, whether it's you or or, or, or the, the, the soon-to-be spouse comes and says, you know what? I'm pregnant. And you know it's not yours. And you're trying to figure out what's going on. And Well, it's, it's God's. 
How do you think that's going to go over when you go in to talk to mom and pops? Joseph going in to see Mary's parents, like, it ain't me. It really ain't me. Like, I, it's not. Mary says it's like the Holy Spirit. Like, I don't. I mean, like, do you realize what just happened in that situation? And I guarantee you, she has these thoughts wrestling with it, going through her head. What in the world? How? How? Come on. What you talking about, Willis? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, what? Really? I was just thinking about it. later on in Jesus' story, there's this moment where this father has this son who's having these seizures, and even the disciples can't really help in the situation. And they're, I don't know if it's a faith level. I mean, Jesus talks to him about, you know, praying and fasting and all that. But the, the father and Jesus are talking, and Jesus is saying, Come on, you can do this, you can do this. And his response, the father says, I believe, but, but help my unbelief. That was a very practical response. Is I want to believe this. Help me get to the place that I do. And I think that's really where Mary's at in this situation. I don't think it was a bad thing that she responded naturally. I mean, we we all tend to do that. Like that bill comes, that 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 caller, the creditor is calling. How am I going to do this? Because there's not money in the bank. It's a natural response. We're, we perceive our situation, the moment, automatically without even trying out of the natural perspective. That's what we do. Well, I mean, you know, genetically. I mean, my parents had that. My mom had that. So, I mean, therefore, I mean, you know, that's what the doctor asked. And so, I mean, of course, it's, it's three generations prior to me has had that diagnosis. So, ultimately, I've just, I've got to have it. It's in my genes. Who told you that? I want us to get this as God starts messing with us through His Word. Yes, we're naturally going to start fighting back or resisting a little or trying to understand it naturally. But I am so glad Mary didn't stop there. I'm glad that when the end of the story, she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, thank you. She went through a lot to do this. Her response began shifting from a natural perception to a willingness, a faith response. And she said, may it be done according to your word. Guys, if you wrestled with understanding the will of God in a situation, let me just just, just, just weed right through it and, and just boil it down to this. God's will is his word. Do you get it? God is not a man that he can lie. Every promise he has given, the Bible says, is yes and amen. It is, it is, it is established. And I want us to understand that. And his word went forth, but it had to require ears and a heart that could receive it. Maybe done to me. According to your word. We can receive or we can reject the word of God. Do you get that? You have the ability to say, no, oh, no, no, no. That, that's not what my pastor before Mark told me, you know. That's not how my upbringing. I'm just trying to weed through it. Did, did, did the Word of God say it? Or, or is God saying, who told you that? Because at the end of the day, one voice is going to be louder and it's going to be the thing that you believe. And I just can simply peel it back and say, you believe what you're saying. So if you want to figure out what you're, you're believing about that situation, just, just stop, rewind, think about what you've been saying towards that thing and about that thing and through that thing because that's what you believe. If you believe it's taking you out, you've been talking, it's taking us out. I don't know how we're going to do this, baby. I don't know how we can get through this. Because you believe you can't get through this. And I want God to remind us of that passage. Who told you you can't get through this? Did God not call you an overcomer? Did He not say you were able to overcome? Did He not say, yeah, there's going to be hard stuff, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world first. I'm getting through this with you. I'm just telling you, God's messing with us tonight. But I want us to think about some of these things. She shifted in her response. We can reject. We can receive. You have a choice. Here's the thing. You can be highly favored of the Lord and still reject His Word. Mary had a chance right there. 
And maybe you're, you're, you know your background is uh, maybe Catholic or something like that, and, and Mary carries all, carries almost a, a you know a deity uh, position in, in your understanding. She's a girl. She's a girl who's engaged a natural relationship. She had natural parents, and she's put in a situation. She had to decide: Am I going to listen and receive the word of God, or I'm going to say no? Pick somebody else. She was put in that moment. What did she do? May it be done to me. I was thinking, Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I say to you, Jesus, said, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe, and you will receive them. I mean, just think about the idea of receiving. Galatians four four through five, and he says it again. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions as sons. There's a gift; it's something given. But but once again, we have to receive it. John one twelve. But as many as received Him, but as many who chose to receive Him, to them, He gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in His name. See guys, i got to just, just get to it. God's Word is for whosoever will. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I'm just here to say, who is the whosoever will right now in this room? Who's the one who's believing? You know what? I don't care who else got taken out by that situation. I'm not. We're not. We're getting through this. We're over and above. We're get... You see, it starts changing your perspective and perception of the situation. First thing is just very simple. She had to receive the Word. Do, do we receive what the Word of God says? Second, she allowed the Word to form inside of her. Now you say, well, oh no, it's a baby. Remember what John said. Jesus is the Word made flesh. The Word was spoken, and the spoken Word became flesh when she received it. It started taking on form. There started to be something that changed inside of her. Now, like Mark said, our kids are the same age, and I, mean, I watch my wife carry all three, and just, you, you women, it's the most amazing thing in the, the world, and so glad it's you. Uh, you know, but at the same time, what I mean, the things that they go through in that process of watching this 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 human form inside of them. I was just thinking about it. You know, granted, it would it would totally end the whole uh, abortion fetus debate. But what if you had conception and the next day you delivered? It would, it would change a lot about your relationships. I'll tell you that. First off. But, but, I mean, what if it was that quick? What if it just that quick, all of a sudden, here is the baby. Here is the result. The res- Just think about it. What if it was like that? But this is the thing I see in this. You know, for nine months, roughly, you know, 280 days, a woman has to allow a baby to develop inside of her. Just think about this idea. Develop a head. Limbs, feet, hands, heart, lungs, eyes. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, just think about what all it, it takes to have a human exist in the process. It's not just this baby develops, but she changes. And if you've been in a situation where you've carried a baby, you, you know everybody's different, but your body changes. All of a sudden, you have different appetites. With our first Missy, all of a sudden, like Sonic and, and you know, the Cheddar Peppers. I don't know why. That was a thing. Like, it shifted inside of her. This appetite. Her body changed. You know what? Somewhere in there became a little uncomfortable. There was discomfort. Just, she couldn't lay right, you know, just help me up, you know, like, you know, you go from the walk to the waddle. I mean, you know, just things change. And I'm just I'm just thinking through this very practically. In the process, people start noticing. For a little bit, they don't want to say anything just in case they're wrong. But then finally there's a moment they're like, hey, congratulations. You're pregnant, right? You know, I mean, all of a sudden people notice. There's excitement. 
anticipation. Some weird reason, you start painting rooms and buying little things to go in it. You start collecting clothes of little minute size. Something in you starts shifting because of what you are expecting. I remember uh, as a youth pastor when, when Missy was pregnant with her, her first and it was the most, in a funny way, but most distracting thing at youth because if she was anywhere visible during that you know, third trimester, all the girls in the youth would sit around her because they didn't care really what I talked about. They wanted to watch Lance like move in her stomach. Like, I mean, you know, it was kind of distracting. Like, hey, up here. But why? It was just fascinating. Like, this, there's something in her. It's alive. I'm just thinking. What happens during pregnancy? What happens when we allow that to develop? Just think about it. The Bible says the word's alive. It's active. It's developing. It's, it's seed being planted inside of us. It starts taking root. The word is God. God can't lie. All these things I'm saying, let it, let it start resonating in you. You get a scripture. You, you have to. You've got to stand on it. And start believing it and saying it and believing it and saying it. And all of a sudden the situation looks worse. And instead of shifting what you say, you keep saying it and you keep believing it and you keep saying it and you keep believing it. Because a baby doesn't pop out the next day after conception. You have to let it form inside you. Mary received the word, but she kept the word as it developed inside of her. There's things inside of you God's spoken. And you've got to let that thing develop. You can't abort that thing that God has spoken. The thing that He said is yours. The thing that He's spoken over your future. He said the thing you can believe for, that you can trust Him for. Don't abort it before you get to the destination. Don't dig up the seed before the harvest. Because a farmer can go out and just illustrate this the same every day, every day, looking and looking like there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing. And all of a sudden, they go out the plow and just dig up all the seed he planted. Why? Because it didn't come up yet. He just didn't wait for the harvest. And for us, what is it that we've got to incubate? The thing that we've got to get inside and keep believing and keep trusting. Just think about it. A prophecy generations before said what would happen to this girl? It's amazing. So what did God do? He can't lie. Because He said this. He said a baby's going to be born to a virgin in Bethlehem. So what did the Word do? The Word reorganized the earth. He had a heathen king call for taxes so this baby would be born in Bethlehem. You can say, well, the cart before the horse. Which, which is, did it happen because God said? Or did God say because it was going to happen? I'm just saying God's word is for sure. And when he says it, however you want to perceive it, it happens. And we receive it and we allow it to form inside of us. So, this moment, the word shifts things and makes it happen. And for us, if God's word is that solid and that sure, when he says, by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. He can't lie. He can't lie to me about what He told me is mine. He can't lie. And if I'm believing anything else, that means someone else or something else told me it wasn't Him. What are we believing? Think about it. Paul said to the church in Rome in chapter 10, what does it say? The Word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. The Word of faith is what we, we preach. And the last point is I'm about to close up here. If she was able to receive the word and incubate it, the only other response after the incubation, the pregnancy, is birthing into existence. Bringing it into the world. So think about it. Is the word in your situation becoming flesh? Is it becoming something that is tangible? You can see it. You're, you're, you're taking something that is supernatural. It is spiritual. God is spirit. We are spirit. God's word is spirit. But all of a sudden it resonates in our spirit and connects and then becomes something in the flesh. You can see it. You can tangibly do something 
with it. It may have been the least glamorous location in the world in that moment, but a baby was born in Bethlehem and was wrapped and laid in a manger. Had shepherds from the side of a hill come and visit it. Had wise men, men, magi from Babylon, from the, from, from the east come and bring gifts and provide resources. I mean, all amazing story, but if she had aborted that or hadn't received that word, the birth wouldn't have happened. So I thought about it. The brother of Jesus, one of his brothers in the natural, James. James said something so simple, but it's so challenging us to the church. He said, be a doer of the word. Not just a hearer only. Because the moment we walk away from hearing the word and don't apply it, don't incubate it, don't birth it, we have we just let it die. It, it, it has not produced. Our faith has not produced. So, be a doer of the Word. Be a doer of the Word. Birth that thing. Stay hooked to it. Don't give up because a harvest is coming. God is the author, but He is also the finisher of your faith. You say, well, Steve, I, I haven't got the answer yet. I haven't got the manifestation yet. I'm just telling you, hold on to the promise. Hold on to the Word. Don't stop believing just because you haven't seen it yet. Because I had three kids that took nine months each to come into this world. And i got to believe it might take a little time, but a harvest is coming if you don't quit and you don't give up. Does that make sense? One thing I was wanted to wrap up with, because Luke, right before that, where her response tells us where her heart was, the angel says, with God all. And that child that was having seizures, the father, the thing that Jesus spoke to him before he said, I believe, but help my unbelief. Jesus said, come on, believe. All things are possible. So I'm just telling you tonight, the Spirit of God wants to stir us up out of the natural to start believing the Word of God, which is spirit and it's life. And if we can allow that thing to incubate inside of us, if we can get our heart right to receive it and let it produce, you're going to see the answer. Because God cannot and will not lie. Does that make sense? Some of you need to start really deciding what you're believing for. What does His Word tell you is yours? Start digging it out. Start really researching, reading. Go through the Gospels. See what Jesus did and said. I mean, there, there's things that, you know, religion teaches this, but you look at Jesus. What did, what did He do? What did He say? We've got to let that reshape the way we perceive. For us tonight, that's the thing that stirs my heart. Can we approach this season of Christmas and every time we hear Mary think, wow, she allowed the Word of God to change her life. What about us? When you look at Jesus say, oh yeah, well Jesus came to the world and He saved me. I let Him change my life. But I'm talking about repeatedly, what is He doing now to change your life? If you let Him, He will. If you receive the Word, it will.